Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Screen Talk and DOR's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn. And I'm Ann Thompson. And we somehow made it to the other side of Oscar season with our sanity more or less intact and some decent predictions that seem to have borne out by a relatively predictable set of events, all things considered, even though we kept saying there were a lot of unpredictable categories. I think you say that and analyze it long enough and you're not surprised by much, but also by a show that didn't need to surprise us that much to be more or less satisfied. I just need to catch up on sleep now. How about you, Ann? I've been catching up on myself. I've been like a dead corpse for the past couple of days, but um, I'm all right now. I'm, I it's feel recovered. Brutal. It was a it was an intense night. Um, I I could say in my little corner, like I was at the A twenty four party till very late, and then had to file a story in the morning and head straight to the airport. So by the time I got back to New York, I was still processing everything that had happened in the last twenty four hours. And you know, one one thing that was really great about it was that while last year was like kind of our first time back to the Oscars in person, because obviously none of us could go in 2020 when it was in a train station. Uh, This was, you know, last year was such a disruptive, uncomfortable experience. This felt like as you and I kind of entered the Dolby theater, finally felt like this return to normalcy in a way that was really comforting. It was comforting. And I think if you look at the coverage from Manola Dargis, no, if you look at the coverage from Manola Dargis and Tony Scott, their last sort of farewell uh, Oscar rap together, or you look at, uh, you know, any number of reviews and, and, and if Bill you talk Gabiri, to people, yeah. and, you know, if you talk to people, everybody's having the same reaction. It's like, okay, it was like a comfortable old sweater. It, 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 <laughs> it felt good. You know, Kimmel was reassuring, you know, it, it, it nothing terrible happened. It, it, even if it was a little bit dull, it felt good. It felt good that it was a return to sort of normalcy. And uh, you knew the jokes were going to be lame occasionally, you, you, you know, but the, the, but it was comforting. You know, I, I, I was very uh, happy watching it inside the theater. You were there, too, although you tend to wander I around. Wonder. And I go, wonder, but I would find you every now and then the bar, uh, which I, is your your trip. But I work my uh, way I stay through the glued in my seat. <laughs> but, I, but, but I would pop into the to the balcony every once in a while and check in with you. And I felt like as the night went on, we were both sort of like, yeah, yeah, we kind of know where this is going. You know, is it well, is it going to change? It. But- there was a moment in the middle where you and a lot of other people, my daughter was texting me, you know, all quiet on the Western Front is just one floor. You know, is it going to go all the way? And I reassured I her. That. <laughs> I said, I said, no, you know, wait, just you wait. This wasn't the, like the a actors parasite. are going to win. You know, the 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 director's going to win the right. You know, the the writers, the and the and the best picture. It's all it all went to everything. No, no, no. There, I remember as expected. Well, 
what 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 the sort of suspense was hinging on was was screenplay production for a while. design. Production I mean, this wasn't. I, I mean, I, and I I was happy that I had uh, I all quiet. I, that I, I was the big. That. that was the big thing that went to all quiet. I had, well, I had called that. I had called Jamie Lee Curtis for supporting actress, and and I feel like that to some people may have been a surprise. Of there of were some three sort. people in the race, if not two. Um, if Angela Bassett wasn't in the race, then it was between. Uh, Jamie Lee and Carrie Condon. But here's what happened. What happened is that if you took BAFTA as seriously as you were likely to do over the course of the past few years, because it has been very predictive, it is not predictive anymore. And it's certainly not predictive in the acting categories. If, and as it's I more said last year, in the crafts, if you looked at the SAG result in that particular occasion, it, it was a really good indicator of where things were heading. And the other thing during the ceremony that I remember thinking about is like, if there is suspense here with respect to best picture, it would be hinging on screenplay. And once screenplay didn't adapted screenplay and went to women talking, you knew it was kind of like, that was it. Okay. So I women talking. I never had about any doubt that that was going to go to women talking, but, but if, if it, it, but if it had quiet, gone, that, that would have been, been that was the indicator. Yeah. So that but, was when we started but to the be other like, thing you, know you didn't know going. going in was that the whale was going to be the, you know, you had either you went with Austin Butler and Elvis or you went with Brendan Fraser and the whale for actor and makeup and hair. So the whale actually did go uh, makeup and hair. And that meant that Brendan Fraser would take the win. And he did. Yeah. I mean, I, I still heard these weird arguments for Colin Farrell up until the basically the red well, carpet. That was a three-way I mean, race still, also. I so know. I mean, you got to listen to me on this one. You got to listen to me on this one because Colin Farrell was in a movie that you and I both were saying still had a like stealth best picture potential, you know, not that long ago, if you really think about it, when we were saying there's Banshees, Fablemans, and everything everywhere were kind of like that cluster. And it's kind of fascinating when you look back on that and realize that those other two movies were always so much in everything everywhere shadow to the extent that like if everything everywhere was in a category with them, it was just a no brainer. And now they've, they've gone home empty. The remarkable thing is that everything everywhere all at once lasted as long as it did. If you think that it debuted at South by Southwest a year ago. Now you asked me when I first saw it, if I ever would have predicted that it would win best picture. And I never, ever would, but you wouldn't have predicted it either when you saw no, it. I was at the world premiere at South by. And what I remember thinking was it's pretty clear. It's going to be a hit. And it's pretty clear that the Daniels are, much more popular than a lot of people had realized because they had all the stars on stage. All of the actors who would go on to win Oscars were there, but like during the Q and a, everybody was asking questions of the Daniels. So it was kind of, I mean, now that they're basically a listers, it was, it, if you go back and think about it, it was like they were set on that track by the kind of success they had already sort of put in place there. And they ended up having a back, a box office success, a movie that made more than a hundred million worldwide. But that did not dictate an Oscar contender. And so what's when Oscar season rolled around, all of a sudden it took off and it took off because of its campaign. And what they did was to focus on the family of actors 
who were moving from award show to award show to giving speeches of inclusion, of being heard, being listened to, being um, finally uh, after after being neglected or or ignored, being being uh, rewarded. And so Kihi Kwan and Michelle Yeoh and Stephanie Chu, who did win it uh, at the uh, Spirits, uh, the up you know up and coming actor award, the Rising Actor Award. You know they all had their moments. And Jamie Lee Curtis, hers was more of a legacy award, more about coming back. Um, and honoring her parents. And it was a narrative that couldn't be denied. And so we've talked about this before. Narratives end up taking over um, from w- the worth of the movie or w- how good was the movie or how but well I mean, reviewed I, I mean, I said this last week. I mean, it is a movie that allows you to like aspects of it, even if you're not totally on board with all of it. So uh, there, it felt like there were fewer naysayers, even if people were not a hundred percent sold on it, they could appreciate the narrative here because the movie was at least good enough. You know, the whale was a little bit different because obviously it didn't become a best picture contender, but it did well enough for that Brendan Fraser narrative to continue. And of and course he ran a good it's campaign. It's very rare so. for an actor to win best actor without uh, a best picture contender just but the statistics we threw out we threw out the statistics it's just irrelevant because all these people were first time nominees um the four actors who won were over 50 uh the the they were veterans they were comeback kids as everyone was calling them um uh, not that Jamie Lee went anywhere. She came back before, but it's it's really it's really um, a lot of anomalous things that don't usually happen. And Elvis, which won four at the BAFTAs, got completely shut out. And as you say, Banshees. So what went wrong with those movies? They didn't develop the same kind of narratives. And well, they, they were it was harder to mine those peaked. narratives. They peaked. I mean, well, Fableman's for peaked. sure. Fableman's, Fableman's sure peaked. peaked at Toronto. And and I also felt like the problem with the with Fableman's, everything about Fableman's that you looked at from a campaign standpoint came back to Spielberg. Like the entire campaign for that movie hinged on one person, which made it a really strong best director candidate at one point in time, but not quite as strong as the, again, like the Daniels were rock stars earlier in the year. And that was just a more exciting opportunity for people to reward. So fresh, original um, crowd pleaser. That is yeah. the bottom line. It was a crowd pleaser. And and so a lot of people want to go, oh, it's so innovative and it did all these different things and it's there's such talents and everything else. It's very much like Parasite in a way, which was a genre film that entertained as well as having a message, as well as being an extraordinary art film. I don't think we would argue that Everything Everywhere All at Once was an art film in any way, shape or form. It was a mainstream <laughs> entertainment. But it, it, is was funny, <laughs> it was unusual. It was it was different. It, but yeah. that was its selling point that's and that's and so finally that's why the academy ended up these people i spoke to so many of them and said i didn't get it but i watched it again and or i watched it again they they understood that some it was winning awards and they wanted to understand they wanted to get on the bandwagon and that is the other thing that this year really shows because they didn't share the love they didn't spread it around they gave most of the prizes <laughs> to two movies and yeah. the whale being the third. And they let they just shut out all of these extraordinary films and didn't give them anything. 
but but it was funny because then at the same time you had these three huge movies that were nominated for best picture and the two people who were like as jimmy kimmel joke show up so central to getting people back in theaters james cameron and tom cruise yeah they don't show up and of course they're the butt of jokes as a result of it but i i have to tell you that was that came up a lot when i was walking around in the theater different industry people it was considered because if chris mcquarrie could show up the director of mission impossible 2 whatever mission impossible it is (laughs) four seven eight the 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 director of that mission impossible movie was there and his star yeah. chose not to I saw to show a great up. conversation between him and uh, Ryan Coogler outside the theater because, of course, Ryan Coogler was nominated for Black Panther. And it was like for the yeah, song. These, for the yeah, song. these people. Yeah. But I mean, the movie had got, you know, it got nothing, but it but it got prominent placement. So it did feel kind of nice that like on some level, the Oscars was able to acknowledge these movies, but they didn't they didn't have to dominate. Like if Top Gun had won Best Picture, it would have been a very divisive kind of conversation. Top Gun getting nominated, but Top Gun getting nominated was was fine. It probably helped. Avatar won at the box office. Those two men are egomaniacs who and I'm fond of of Jim Cameron, but they, they basically didn't see the upside of going. Yeah. And it wasn't I, and I like feel they, like they wanted to show up to cheer on their team, which would have been appropriate. But, and, and Tom Cruise probably probably doesn't care less because all kinds of stuff gets said about him. With, with, no, he with thought James he Cameron. would have. He thought Jimmy Kimmel would make fun of him. But, and he did. But, and he did. He made an L. Ron hubba, hubba, hubba. Ron yeah. hubba, hubba. L. Ron <laughs> hubba, hubba. But but James Cameron may not have realized that he that his absence would have ended up being, you know, central to the to the narrative of the night but it does show you this kind of disconnect between the kind of classical commercial movies that expect to dominate or, 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 or in a certain kind of way and and the disruptive element i mean it's not like a war but it does show you the range of kind of industry forces in play that were at the oscars and it opens the door for the you know the fact that everything everywhere at once was a commercial success and won an Oscar suggests that we're in an, a fascinating era in which it, we could see this this similar sort of balancing act between kind of traditional commercial movies and the dis- disruptive ones being the ones that are kind of vying for industry appreciation. I guess the point I'm making is that given the choice between um, you know bona fide art films like Tar and Banshees and Triangle of Sadness. Um, even though they were relatively accessible and relatively popular. Also, the box office situation, the pandemic box office for art house films was still in decline. It still didn't have the, those movies would have made a lot more money at the box office before the pandemic than they did after. And so they really didn't score as big as they would have and have that kind of fablements really hurt. By that now that's a possibility that the fablements never was going to be a hit that was a there was something very narcissistic about it it didn't have a kind of um other narrative to go with it beyond the fact that it was spielberg's personal story um you know Roma focused yeah. on the maid yeah know? it was also it was black and white and Belfast it, 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 focused on Ire- northern ireland but but roma also had you know it was a it was like a slow burn art film truly and fablemans had a more traditional kind of dramatic form to it, it was more so of a, but it, i wouldn't too. call fablemans mainstream i wouldn't no i mean there's no it way never to really went mainstream. It that way. It and never tar did. tar didn't resonate 
on a national scale, even if no. it opened okay. But certainly, I mean, it's great. And it didn't cinema. last. It did get into a lot of categories at the end of the day, but it was respected so by everything. the Academy. They really thought it was a beautifully made movie. They were very high on it, but that it wasn't enough for it to win, even for Kate. And Kate Blanchett could have been, you know, close to Michelle Yeoh. But the the other thing that happened was that the timing, the timing of BAFTAs and SAG. Where, where SAG was second, was the most recent one, the momentum push that everybody got out of SAG continued to the Oscars. Those, yeah. those, those wins repeated. Yeah. And then, of course, he had the Spirit Awards a week before the Oscars. I'm not sure that had a huge impact, but it it's just hurt. funny because it's like, you know, some people are saying, well, it's it's like three days before voting closes or two days before voting closes. Maybe that'll impact voting. But when everything everywhere all at once is already winning everything and that's like obviously going to win Spirit Awards, you're not really talking about much of an impact. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's this rolling, me. this rolling snowball thing that happens is what happened here. And and so you you end up the, the momentum becomes inevitable and undeniable. It's fascinating to me that that a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once that really emerged from this indie ecosystem ends up being a successful Oscar movie. And it also kind of seems like more people cared about the Oscars this year. I mean, they've had they reported as the, the highest ratings of any award show in the last three years. Of course, most Top award shows have not done well. Yeah, so 18 it's a, million, 18 in, million in the ratings. Not, yeah. not 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 too shabby. I certainly I can report anecdotally. It seemed like a lot of you know non-industry people I knew seemed to be you know, more aware of the Oscars in, in a certain kind of way. And the drama, of course, that, you know, the, the slap may have impacted ratings in the second half of the show last year and raised awareness about the Oscars in, in an unflattering way. But there was something fascinating about how all the drama this year was like really petty stuff that didn't matter that much. Like oh, the Hugh woman Grant. in the white dress, <laughs> Hugh Grant giving an awkward red carpet interview and the woman in, in the white dress were like, those were like the biggest dramas thames the singer thames is the woman in the white dress and i don't really care about either of those things but i bet you the academy doesn't either if anything it's good to have like really petty drama or that's who not that didn't make it into the in memoriam this is what everybody's yes. you well know, that's a little they had better. all the missing people on uh online if you wanted to see all the other uh people they left off and the reason that the in memoriam is set up the way it is is that each of the branches gets a certain number of people. That's why you see all these people nobody ever heard of who, you know, like my old boss from UA, John Dartigue, bless his heart, you know, uh, no one ever heard of him, but they, each branch of the 23, you know, the 17, it's 17 branches gets a vote, uh, gets a certain number and, and they decide, you know, who's in that in memoriam and there are way too many actors. Right. And it's, it's good intel, though, because I think it's that people just sort of look at it from their couches and they say, you know, how come Anne Heche wasn't there, et cetera, et cetera. They, didn't, they only had a certain number of slots. Yeah. But it, but it was great to see Tom Luddy of the Telluride Film Festival. In there. John luc Godard made it. Of course. If I mean, Jean-Louis did not, you know. Yeah, but that was a bummer. Can but you can I, I, yes, but Godard had better freaking be and in there. And they gave him a like, single. They gave, yes. they gave Godard. He so. deserved it. Even if he didn't show up when, when they gave, they him, gave an him an honorary Oscar. They gave him an honorary Oscar, too. So, <laughs> he didn't you know, care they, about the academy, that. The Academy gets it. I did think it was unfortunate that Noah Cowan wasn't in there. Of course, he just passed away but a few weeks ago. But that's the thing. Luddy got in and, and, and uh, Noah Cowan did not. 
But so, they may have th thought of him as being more affiliated with Toronto. So I'm, I'm curious, do you think that, uh, so A24 has now won two Best Picture Moonlight Oscars. Moonlight being the other. And that that one was, you know, it was a real close race, as we with all La remember, La La Land. Land. So <laughs> close that we winning. even thought <laughs> La La Land won, right? So that was like a crazy night. And that movie was made for one and a half million dollars. And they ran a really good campaign for it, and it broke through in a fascinating way. But this one, this was like, but somewhere between fourteen and twenty million dollars, depending on who you ask. And it made way more money. It was, it was not a, you know, a shocker. It wasn't as disruptive as Moonlight was. But at the same time, the way that it built up was even more surprising in retrospect as because we've talked of the about pandemic and people were you know didn't it look in in the theaters it started out playing really young i went to see it in the theater and there were a lot of people around me laughing their heads off louder than i was laughing right. but i appreciated the movie i got it i understood why it was great but the the word of mouth on it made everybody go to the theater they had so to see it it had to be seen yeah, so I've been hearing people saying, you know, essentially A24 is the new Miramax, right? That they are the one now that, so Moonlight was like a really impressive thing from a, a, from a kind of quasi outsider, but now it's like they are the Oscars establishment studio having okay, pulled so, this off. So Searchlight didn't get through with Banshees. They were used to be the big, the big studio, the Birdman, you know, the, the Slumdog Millionaire, 12 Years a Slave. They have a list a mile long. It used to be focused too, Milk or uh, Brokeback Mountain. They're they're a list of you know movies for them as well. But but the they and they were the ones who didn't get through with Tar. So you you can say that whatever their approach was, whatever their campaigns were, didn't get through the way that Everything Everywhere did. But it, I I don't think it's about that as much as it is the fact that it was a hit and that people enjoyed it and that it just caught fire in the imagination of everyone. People didn't get excited about Tar and Banshees in the same way, and they peaked early. I kept joking even to like neon people at, 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 during the theater, like how crazy would it be if they suddenly opened that envelope and said Triangle of Sadness for Best Picture? <laughs> I mean, there is a a, a, a a multiverse kind of possibility there. Like the fact that that movie got nominated in a couple of different categories was pretty impressive too. And that's a crowd pleaser people of sorts. People liked it. People liked Triangle. It's a, remember, it's a comedy too. And you're right. It's a crowd pleaser. Um, people really enjoyed it. But then there are many people who didn't take it that seriously. Seriously. And um, Neon, Neon did everything they could, but uh, that wasn't a movie that was going to catch fire the same way. Um, the the other uh, person uh, who won, Sarah Polly, who um, gave this great interview on the red carpet uh, uh, the week before the Oscars uh, about her screenplay that she's writing. And she basically said that she was using her experience uh, uh, in this lengthy Oscar campaign, um, all the things she learned that yeah. basically the people who go up and cry when they win their Oscars cry because it, they've been campaigning for eight or nine months and it's over. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Ryan Johnson told me I saw, I saw him at the ceremony that uh, that he was helping her on it in some capacity. And uh, I thought it made a lot of sense because, of course, he has now been nominated twice for his screenplay on two Knives Out movies. And he said it really felt like Groundhog's Day this time. It was like you st once you've been through it and then you do it again in relatively recent history, you see just like 
all the same kind of processes that you have to go through, like so performative. Yeah, but a so, lot of people say no more right. on the so, second but it, time. But it's, it's Remember Scorsese said no on the year of the departed after the aviator, and he ended up winning without campaigning yeah. at all. But that's because he's freaking Scorsese, and we'll see what happens now with the new Scorsese movie. We expect to see it at Cannes, oh, we, of course. Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower wait. Moon. So, so I mean, but but not everybody has that luxury. In fact, most don't. I mean, even Spielberg obviously didn't on Fablemans, and in retrospect, maybe he could have done even more to to help his odds. Although it's a bit, it's a bit hard to say. But um, I don't know. I feel I've good about this. I've never seen Spielberg campaign so much. Ever. Yeah, he did. He put himself on. I heard him on the but, Paul, Paul talking to Paul Rudd on a podcast, and I was like, you know, he, okay, he he's pushing it he a never bit. Did. He did national television. I mean, Colbert, so I saw. Know. So I saw. Um, one of the things that the I thought that Glenn Weiss and Ricky Kirshner did a really good job. Now Glenn Weiss has been producing for the years, yeah. and then they produced it this time. And I, um, I may have objected to the thatched huts uh, art direction behind the Rihanna song "Lift Me Up" from uh, Wakanda Forever. Remember, Wakanda is a a futuristic, modern, uh, you know, nation ahead of the rest of the world. Thatched huts are not appropriate. But that, literally, that was my worst um, my worst criticism of the whole show. It moved really well. They, I think the tone that Kimmel took was correct. I think um, they should come back and they should do it again. And, and they made smart calls, like having Halle Berry, uh, you know, present to the possible winner, Michelle Yeoh, the two women of color finally some, united some, on the stage. And some of the weirder kind of uh, commercial gambles seem to go over fine without much of an issue like the little mermaid trailer which did, we didn't that even was a disaster see. we couldn't disaster. see it in the room they they just like kind of went to the commercial i break. watched it when i went when i got home they sold that for disney sold that to the show it, to, to the oscars <laughs> in effect for 10 million dollars and made the show longer and the the they sold the warner brothers thing too it was it made the show longer i hope they do not do that it's called quote unquote integrated sponsorships right right but but the, the the bottom line is that this is not something that really had a you know if if that if that had happened on top of a really really bad show or you know some some other kinds of scandals maybe it would have been kind of ugly but here it's just like hey side note maybe not don't do that let's next do that year. again let's or, not yeah. do that again so now pressure's on though i mean it is kind of interesting when you look ahead to this year and it's like well, I'm sure Christopher Nolan is revving his engines with Oppenheimer. We have Barbie. It's like, is this the new Oscar season that we're in now where it's like this fascinating kind It'll of thing? It'll all start at like, Cannes. Cannes yeah, be the, Cannes, the big launch pad. Bigger I can't wait. movies, some surprise hits, maybe some stuff out of South by, which by the way, I'm sorry to have missed this year since it was the same time as Oscar weekend. But, you know, I don't expect that they're opening night film this year. Dungeons and Dragons. Not going to be Honor a contender. Probably not. I, <laughs> I still need to see it. I didn't see anything coming out of there. That, that but we wouldn't have said that everything everywhere all at once was an oscar contender yeah to bring this full circle yep we just point. don't know i mean there are they had a film called problemista with uh, tilda swinton that i'm certainly looking forward to and mgm has this film bottoms from the director of shiva baby that's supposed to be a really fun comedy and they don't look like big oscar contenders to me but i'm looking knows? forward to the netflix series beef with steven yun that's that what fun. i'm looking forward that to. looks fun Yep. Yep. Well, we certainly have a lot more that we can start discussing now that we're on the other side of all this. We're heading stuff. into Emmy season. Um, so maybe we'll talk a little bit more about television and we are uh, going to be looking at the movies that are coming out. I know I'm going to be checking out John Wick. 
Cannot wait. Yep. I saw it last night. So I hope you've, you've set Let's aside talk about a long it next evening. week. It's okay. a long one, but I am, it's always a thrill to, uh, to navigate this very crazy unpredictable, and, and sometimes quite stressful season with you. It keeps me somewhat sane and I'm um, looking forward to doing it again. So uh, rest up. Talk okay. to you soon. See you later.